0: Good, Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter, at Joy Keys, or you can check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, or on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. You can also check out all the archive shows on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, as well as here at Blog Talk Radio. I hope you have been enjoying the shows. Also, I want to let you know that you can uh, make um, donations via PayPal. Just look up Saturdays with Joy Keys uh, on PayPal. And uh, I want to shout out to Robert. Um, I want to shout out to Maria, some, some people who have already donated uh, thank you so much for your support. Some people have donated more than once. Um, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It allows me to do the giveaways sometimes um, and other things that support the show. So thank you, thank you, and thank you. Um, again, you can listen to all the archives on those various platforms and some others where you listen to your podcast. Um, this morning, we had a heavy topic this morning. We're talking about um, Child Protective services children in foster care, I'm sure we've all heard crazy stories. But I have a specialist. I'm going to call her a specialist. I think she's on the line now. Her name is Darcy E. Roberts. Hold on a second here.
1: Darcy, is yes, it you? I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear Hi. me? Yes, Hi. Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Great. Yes, I can. All right. Well, thank you
0: so much for waking up. I know most people sleep late on Saturdays, so I appreciate you getting up. Um, and taking the time to talk to us this morning. Oh, it's
1: my pleasure. Thanks for having me on your show. Let me tell the audience just a little bit about you. Um, Darcy Roberts is the George A. White University Professor of Law and
0: Sociology at the University of Pennsylvania. She's a, a, she was a contributor to the 1619 Project, and she's the author of four books, Killing the Black Body, Fatal Invention, How Science, Politics, and Big
1: Business Recreate
0: Race in the 21st Century, and Shattered Bonds, The Color of Child Welfare. And now this new recent book called Torn Apart, How the Child Welfare System Destroys Black Families and How aboli- Abolition Can Build a Safer World. So, uh, again, I said specialists, right? <laughs> I think this is the woman we want to talk to this morning about it, but Dorothy, I want to talk to you a little bit about yourself, because you're like the mad world traveler. You lived in Liberia. You were in Egypt. You were in the Andes. Where haven't you been living? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's so interesting. you dug into my past, haven't you, Joy? Yes, <laughs> well, I, I was just fortunate to... Have grown up with parents who were travelers and um and then uh, so that's why I spent time in Liberia and Egypt as a child and teenager and then, during my junior year abroad uh, while I was in college, I spent a year in Colombia and went to Universidad de los Andes in Bogota, Colombia. And I've just continued to travel. I spent a year as a Fulbright Scholar when I became a law professor at the University of the West Indies in Trinidad. Uh, and so I, I do love to travel. I love to live overseas when I can. And uh, that's a big part of my background.
0: Yes, and you yourself even had, um, you talk about your small experience with a teacher a particular teacher who was, uh, I don't know if she was stalking your son, basically, but she was really pointing your son out because he missed he, this is, this is, he missed a couple of days. That's how it was kind of phrased in the book. And he didn't participate in some project. Talk to right. us a little bit about that experience.
1: Right. So I personally have not had my child taken from me, as many black mothers have by Child Protective Services. Um, I've, of course, met with many mothers like that, and my book talks about them. But I wanted to just give one personal encounter. I had sort of a close call when my son was in kindergarten in Evanston, Illinois, which is uh, just a town just north of Chicago. I was teaching at Northwestern at the time, and I had the opportunity to give a talk at Kent University in England and it happened that my daughter, kind of following my footsteps, was taking her junior year abroad in college. Yes, there mm-hmm. is a 14-year gap between my daughter and my <laughs> son. But uh, that's another subject, how that happened. But um, uh, she was uh, going, she was spending her junior year in London. And so I thought this was a great opportunity to take my five-year-old son or six, he's six. He was probably about six, five or six. He was in kindergarten. Um, to England, you know, just as as we were talking about, I like to travel. I, I thought it was a good experience as a child to have the opportunity to travel. And I wanted to bring him along with me. So I did. And uh, we spent uh, he probably he may have missed let's say three days of school. I don't remember exactly. It wasn't a full week. It was, you know, we we went and then spent a long weekend in England visiting with my daughter. And I gave this this uh, lecture that he sat there, you know, and watched along mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. I was giving the great. lecture. And then when I had my first uh, or second teacher's conference with his kindergarten teacher. Uh, she had this attitude. It was like, your son is missing, missed these days of school, and um, he he missed the Thanksgiving. That's what it was. So we took Thanksgiving. So he just missed the beginning of the week, and then we took mm-hmm. Thanksgiving holiday and mixed it together, you know, with a right. long weekend trip. So he actually didn't miss that much. But she's like, we um, had this – project where they all made Indian headbands and she showed me you know a headband with feathers and he missed this important project and if he misses any more school I'm going to have a truancy officer come to your home and mm. investigate what's going on and Mm-mm-mm. now so my my impression was that because I was a black mother in particular she was taking this harsh attitude like you don't, you don't understand the value of education. <laughs> you know That's kind of what yes. her attitude was to me. Now, she mm-hmm. didn't know who I was. All she knew was that I was a black mother, and, you know, I wear my hair in locks, I'm you know, and maybe that was part of it. I don't know. But anyway, uh, after that, she had the children do this project where they had to make a little booklet with pictures of something about themselves. So my okay. son did a booklet of his travels. And I think this is what I'm guessing, that she then started to think, well, who, who is this child? You know, right. How does he get to travel like this? And looked me up and saw I was a professor at Northwestern University. And so the mm-hmm, next time mm-hmm. I came in, oh, her attitude had changed. It was, oh, how one, look at this wonderful book your son put together. Yes. How wonderful that he can travel. And my thought was when she first met me, she thought, this, this is a black mother who doesn't value education. Let me tell her a thing or two. And right. and then the second time I came in, oh, this is a respectable black mother, you know, who, I, who I, I don't have to talk down to. And the reason I put it in the book is because teachers are – the most likely of any mandated report is to report black children to Child Protective Services. And it's often because they miss school or they, uh, they're, they're not clothed adequately or they don't seem to have secure housing. And one of the points I make in the book is that instead of Supporting parents, finding out, okay, why is the child missing school? Why doesn't the child have adequate clothing? Why isn't the child housed adequately? The system charges the parents with child neglect, which is the main reason why children are separated from their families, and threatens the family with Taking the child away, and sometimes they do remove children. If the child is living in insecure housing, the answer isn't to provide housing, you know, to help the family find secure housing. It's to take the children away from the family and put them in foster care. And you know, my book argues.
0: Yeah, one of the things that you talk about a lot in the in the book is housing and and that yeah. reason for taking the kids but then the reason for taking the kids ends up being the reason they lose housing so for example you gave the person or family who was in a shelter and they take yeah. the kids away because they're in the shelter okay and then they lose their shelter spot because i will tell you from experience as a single woman it is extremely yeah. difficult to find a shelter you all there have to be a male yeah. Or you have to be a woman with kids. But if you're a single woman who is right. poor, who's on the street, doesn't have money, right. you're not going to find right. housing. So, so that's, that's one of the exactly big reasons, right. you know. Um, and other reasons you yeah. get potential drug use, um, people with yeah. mental health illnesses. And, and yeah. over all of this, overarching all of this is money and parents who are in poverty, now, yeah. um, in the in the book, you talk about the connection between the child welfare system and slavery. You go all the way back yeah. to slavery. Can you explain that to the audience? Where's that thread? What what is that through line?
1: Sure. So usually, people who support the system they have this narrative that it's came from charitable organizations wanting to rescue children from abusive parents. And that simply is not true. If we really want to understand why we have this system that punishes parents instead of helping them, we would have to go all the way back to slavery, uh, because that is the origin of this idea that black people cannot take good care of their children and need white, white supervision to do so, and also the idea that black families don't have tight bonds. So when you take black children away from their families, it's not really as uh, much of a problem. You know, it, it, There's this idea that they're going to be better off away from their families because of these myths about how black families don't really love each other, don't really have tight bonds, aren't really caring for their children. And I mm-hmm. believe that this comes from the fact that during slavery, the white enslavers had total authority over black children they owned as their property black children and the parents had no legal authority over their children plus it was important for black uh, for white enslavers to be able to separate black families if it was economically or for some any other reason advantageous to the white enslaver. And this happened all the time that children were sold off to different purchasers than parents were or mothers and fathers were split apart, siblings were split apart. Whatever the enslaver wanted at the auction block when families came onto the auction block, they could be purchased by, you know, by five different people. Uh, and completely separated from each other. And so this idea that it is all right to separate black families, I I believe stems from slavery. Uh, And then the next phase of how black families were treated right after emancipation, after the civil war ended
0: was Mm -hmm, part mm -hmm. of
1: the white supremacist backlash to re-enslave black people was to take black children away from their parents by a court system that would deem black parents to be neglectful and then apprentice them out to their former white enslavers to work for them. Uh, And basically Hmm. thousands and thousands of black children were put back into virtual slavery again through the courts based on findings of parental neglect. So that is the origin of the child welfare system for black families. Mm. Mm. Uh, one of
0: the other issues is parents being afraid to go to the hospital. So you have a yeah. child and uh, you, you want to take them to the hospital, but in your book you explain that they're afraid because if they go to get help, then it backlashes on them um, and the you know, CPS becomes involved. And one of the stories yeah. you talk about is actress Jenny Molin. Can you talk about Jenny Mullen
1: to the audience? Sure. Well, I use this contrast between what happened in the case of Jenny Mullen, who dropped her son and he had damage to his head and she brought him to the hospital and everybody had nothing but empathy for her. In fact, there were, Uh, tweets and Instagram and, you know, positive press about her and the idea that, well, you know, this happens, parents make these mistakes. Somebody tweeted something like, you know, this is part of the passage of parenting, but no indication whatsoever that she was going to be suspected of child abuse. And I compare that with a black mother in New York City, um, Imani Worthy, who now is an activist in a, a a magazine called rise, which tells the stories of black mothers who've had their children taken away. When uh, she brought her son to the hospital because uh, a relative had accidentally dropped him during a family event, Uh, she immediately became suspected of child abuse. And uh, I believe that her son was separated from her uh, for some period of time. Because of this allegation, and I'm trying to contrast the way in which black families, especially if they're poor, living in segregated neighborhoods, are immediately suspected and there's documentation of this as well in you know major studies that show that doctors are more likely to suspect black parents of child abuse when they bring their children to the hospital for either injuries to the head or uh, bone fractures, than they are to suspect white parents of the exact same types of injury. Uh, In fact, some of these studies show that they miss child abuse in the case of white families much more often because they don't suspect them the way they suspect black families.
0: Yes, and in the book, as she said, there are a lot of statistics. She doesn't just talk off the top of her head. She brings in a specialist, again, I'll just use that word, from other arenas mm-hmm. who have uh, worked in, in this field. And, and some of the shocking, the most shocking thing, first of all, I have to tell you, when I started reading in, in the opening story in the beginning, uh, what's her name, Vanessa? Is the, is the woman Vanessa from Vanessa? People. Uh, and yeah. she, um, her child, they were in the park and the child started running uh away toward um and she the, a comfort. woman found yeah. the child right towards toward mm-hmm. somebody else that the child knew the child was going towards right. the child knew and uh a, a, a white woman picked the child up and then reported her for um you know neglect um but that story it goes further and i don't want to give it away but let me just tell you i actually had to put the book down like i was yeah. curious like i wanted yeah. to go at my house and go down to the police station and be like, what the bleep bleep, 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 bleep. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's yeah. business, okay? Um, it, it, it goes crazy. Um, but you also, I want to bring up the fact that you say one in three black children may come in contact, and then there's another part that says one in ten, but still that's a large number of black children in their lifetime will come in contact with CPS. In a
1: negative yeah, okay, way. so, hmm yeah, so let me, let me clarify the numbers. So more than one in 10 black children will actually be taken from their families and put in foster care by the time they reach age 18. Uh, mm. Half, more than half, 53% of black children will be subject to a child welfare investigation by the time they reach age 18, um, I just think about that, those numbers, more than half of black children will be investigated on based on accusations that their parents are m- mistreating them, maltreating them, either abusing them or neglecting them. I mean, how... That is an astronomical number. And first of all, it's astronomical because think about what it's saying about suspicions of black parents. I mean, is it true that half of black children have family members that are, uh, you know, maltreating them? Uh, enough mm-hmm. to call in CPS to investigate? And the other thing is to remember that an investigation, it's not a simple asking people questions. They come to your door In black neighborhoods, they frequently bring police officers with them and coerce people into opening their door, even though we're protected by the Fourth Amendment against government searches without a warrant. But usually they don't have a warrant. They come in, they search every corner of the house, they open drawers, they look in the refrigerator, they're looking for evidence that they can claim, you know, is some form of child abuse or neglect. They strip-search children looking for evidence of abuse, uh, and they look into your private records, health records, uh, criminal records if they happen to have them, um, school records, uh, any kind of private information to see whether there's evidence of abuse or neglect. And they're threatened to take children away, and often these investigations do end up with children being you know, really mm-hmm. violently taken from their family members and put into a foster care system that is especially harmful for black children. Uh, The education is often disrupted. Their health care is disrupted. uh, They're very often put in homes of strangers, and some of these strangers are in it, but not all of them. I'm not saying that all foster caretakers are in it for the money, but many of them Mm -hmm. are. That's how they earn their living, by the payments that they get to take in children, and many black teenagers especially uh, are put into facilities that are like prisons. In fact, they often house both children who've been adjudicated juvenile delinquents and children who are there uh, as part of the foster care system, and these places have guards that are hired to keep control. You know, they're not caring, loving caretakers, you know, they're they're, um, staff. And I give instances where these staff in these uh, institutions have killed black teenagers uh, who are accused of some minor infraction. I mean, I I talk about Cornelius Fredericks in Kalamazoo, Michigan at an institution which was called Lakeside Academy, but it, it was like a prison. And he threw a piece mm -hmm. of bread in the cafeteria, and the staff jumped on him while he's screaming, I can't breathe, and they killed him. They killed him. Uh, And that's not the only instance.
0: No, that is not the only instance. But let me bring up another horrendous thing that I was, Uh, like, I can't even get out of my throat right now, but disabled children and children who may have lost their parents, their Social Security benefits are being taken by the state so that when yes. they age out of the system at 18 say they say their parents died at 12 they're in the system for six yeah. years all those years yeah. they're supposed to be getting benefits right the state right. takes them they age out there's no money what yes in the world dorothy
1: yes yes well the the state claims that they should be allowed to do this because they're being reimbursed for the costs of the children's care in foster care, but the state has taken these children into its custody. It has an obligation to care for the children. They, there's no, there should be no obligation for the children to pay back the state for their care. I mean, who we well, don't, you know, that, that happens in child support too. You know that happens
0: when people on welfare. And, and then yes. they get child support, then the, the, the yes. state takes the child support because they say, you're yes. paying us back. For, so right. then the person remains, again, we go back to money and we go back to the yes. level of poverty. And one of yes. the systems that you talk about um, is, is the Maximus uh, company, yes. uh, and the their, company and their, their use of computerized technology, um, talk about that uh, uh, to, yeah. the connection between Maximus, the child welfare system, and computerized
1: technology. Yes, yeah. so uh, Maximus is just one of uh, many companies, big companies that uh, form this industry that is, lo- uses computer technology to look for children who are entitled to Social Security benefits and then... Uh, try to maximize those numbers of children in the foster care system. And so this, is, you know, you can see that these state agencies are hiring these companies to make money off of the children they put in foster care. And this is very clearly set out in emails. Um, There is uh, Professor Hatcher at University of Baltimore has written a book about this where he details uh, how these companies work and how they collude with state agencies to take the money of children. And while we're talking about computerized technologies, uh, uh, many states now also engage in contracts with computer companies like IBM and SAS you know, these big multi-million dollar companies, maybe billion dollar, I'm not sure, but, you know, big companies Mm -hmm. that collect data and then they develop these algorithms, the mathematical formulas to predict which children are going to be at risk in the future. And uh, this is really alarming because they're collecting massive amounts of data. That sounds like a movie. I know, doesn't it?
0: Like, that yes, like I yes. can see, like, you know, some, some Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, the Terminator type of stuff. It's like, we already knew right. that this was going to happen, so we're going to yes. come and, and reach out to you uh, in the present. We're running down the time, yes. so I want you to talk about what's some solutions, because you do have a session yes. at the end. And you talk about yes. um, uh, Du Bois' abolition democracy. What does yes. that mean?
1: Yeah. Well, W.E.B. Du Bois writing uh, of just a few decades after the civil war ended, made the point that abolishing slavery was important, but we also need to have a democratic society that truly treats people equally. uh, You know, where black people have equal citizenship rights. And he recognized that the abolition of slavery didn't mean that black people were truly free. And so, This is the, you know, a lot of people are afraid of the term abolition because it it sounds too radical. But I argue we should abolish this system in the same way that Du Bois talked about what it means to abolish slavery and black subordination. And that is both to dismantle this harmful system we have now, but simultaneously to build up other approaches, community-based approaches in black communities run by black people that truly support families and truly keep children safe, which this system is not doing. So it is about dismantling piece by piece through, for example, laws that end mandated reporting, which is done in an extremely discriminatory way and only drives people away from supports they could have because of the fear that their children will be taken away from them. It... it uh, would give parents and other family caregivers more legal rights, for example, to uphold the fourth amendment, which says that government aid agents can't search your home without a warrant based on probable cause, uh, giving them uh, legal representation from the beginning of a child welfare proceeding, not after children are already taken from the home uh, and other mm-hmm. kinds of legal measures we could take to reduce the power of the system, but also investing more in community-based resources that work apart from the what I call a family policing system to right. give children what they need. You know, get, pr- provide housing. Don't take children away from families and make it less likely mm-hmm. that their parents are going to be able to have housing. All provide housing for them uh or, or, see, I or wanna, let's work I on a society audience. that has yeah
0: i want to tell the words because we are we're out of time but i want to tell them she okay. also speaks about indigenous children and poor white children because yeah. i know people are like you know just because you're black okay i was in i was in the, was in the right. system and i'm white and right. blah, blah. so so she has yeah she has a lot of things covered we can't get into all we would need like two hours to get into it right but i'm going to give away right. some copies of your book Dorothy. So um, okay. I want to encourage people to follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Check me out on Facebook Saturday mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram. And Dorothy, you're on social
1: media. Where can they find you? What's your What's your handles on social media? My handle is Dorothy E. Roberts on both Instagram and Twitter. Excellent, Dorothy. I am sorry, but we just we just have to go. But you, we, I think <laughs> no. we had a great
0: conversation. Um, yes. And I'm all for what you're doing, and I, I'm sure thank there'll be you.
1: another book coming soon. <laughs> thank you, Joy. I'm okay, going to start working on so the next much. one this summer. Thank you, too. Okay, great. I appreciate it. Right, bye I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Again, follow on social media so you have a chance to win a copy of the book. Coming up, I'm going to be doing a show about lupus. It's an autoimmune disease, so stay tuned. I hope you guys have a great weekend. For those of you who can't make it, you'll be able to listen to the archive of Darcy's interview and also the Lucas interview if for some reason you're not able to hang around. Have a great weekend.